Dinosaurs and man, two species separated by 65 million years of evolution, have just been suddenly thrown back into the mix together. How can we possibly have the slightest idea of what to expect? Welcome back to the Neo Jurassic Podcast. I'm your host, Bri, and I'm so pleased you've decided to have a listen to today's episode. Seriously, thank you all for tuning in. Before I introduce our guest, I feel a certain obligation to share some of my thoughts on Season 3 of Camp Cretaceous. If you've been listening to the show, you've no doubt heard me rapturously praising the team responsible for the show. I love it. Having seen season three, I think I can confidently say it is not only my favorite season, but I think it is probably the best one too. I, I, I think that's that's almost safe to say. I mean, it, it, it's, it's in the running with, with the first, but I think it might be the best. The characters, the writing, the set pieces, and of course the dinos have only become more engrossing and alive with each consecutive episode for me. I honestly, I could ramble on for God knows how long, but for brevity's sake here, uh, here are a couple of my own notable highlights. First, the characters. We could have a Jurassic cartoon series packed to the rafters with paleo-accurate and creatively designed critters, but without characters as compelling and thoughtfully crafted as these kids, I honestly don't think I'd have even half the enthusiasm for the show that I do. The writing team on this show is doing some truly great work. At the end of the day, the success of this show rides on how well we connect with these kids and their stories, and currently I'm right there with them on that busted up yacht heading to God knows where. Next, the Uranosaurus. Many paleo geeks, myself included, have been whining about how Jurassic generally treats all of their herbivores as gentle, benign, uh, oversized, gray and or green cow elephant things. Very mammal-like, very, very mellow, and generally pretty non-threatening. I was thrilled to have a new species arrive into the canon and a species sporting such a paleo-accurate as well as colorful and creative design. If that wasn't enough, we finally got to see some aggressive herbivore action and it truly didn't disappoint. Five gold stars for me. And of course, there's the Monolophosaurus as well. The Monos didn't quite get as thorough of a paleo-accurate design as their uh, grumpier ornithopod friends did, but they are certainly no less exciting. We have a brand new smaller predator, a role previously only occupied by our friend, the Dilophosaurus. What really gives these guys an edge for me is the presentation of their behavior. As I've said in the past, the mystery of these creatures and their speculative possibilities surrounding their behavior and soft tissue features has always been one of the most exciting aspects of the franchise for me. As for the few parts that didn't totally thrill me, without going into any detail or entering the spoiler zone, the alleged parthenogenesis and growth rate of one of this season's creatures was ringing my implausibility bell kinda hardcore. I know it's been established that Wu has engineered a means for dinosaurs to attain at an adult-ish size in a matter of weeks to months, as we've seen with Bumpy. However, the way these issues uh, with the show's timeline were kinda hand-waved away in this season didn't quite sit well with me. Otherwise, though, I love season three of Camp Cretaceous, and I can hardly wait for season four. And I have to ask y'all, is anyone else really hoping our intrepid 
tween campers wind up on Isla Sorna for the next chapter of the story, I really hope they do, and I have a strong hunch that they will. Okay, with the necessary Camp Cretaceous talk out of the way, let's move ahead with today's topic of discussion, video games. For the most part, my own personal relationship with video games begins and ends with the Jurassic franchise. You know, it started with the first Jurassic Park game for Sega Genesis, and has pretty much continued all the way up until last year with Jurassic World Aftermath for the Oculus Quest 2. Joining us for this discussion on the intersection of dinosaurs and gaming is one of my own personal favorite personalities in the Jurassic fan community, Connor Delgarno, or as he's much better known on the World Wide Web, Best in Slot. Best in Slot's YouTube channel is a fairly exhaustive exploration of nearly every single dinosaur, kaiju, or critter game produced in the past 20 to 30 years. Connor's channel is perhaps best known for its very thorough coverage of all things Jurassic World Evolution. In fact, it was through his coverage of Jurassic World Evolution that I wound up coming across his channel and becoming one of his 728,000 subscribers. Y'all, YouTube is wild. Anyway, I had a genuinely wonderful time chatting with Connor, and I hope y'all enjoy our conversation as we wind through all things Jurassic, video games, and his own hopes for the future of this franchise we all love so well. Thank you so much for uh, taking time out of your schedule to uh, participate in this silly little podcast of mine. I really appreciate it. I'm not happy to be here. I've always kind of wanted to do a podcast, and uh, it's the first one I've done. So This is the first so, one? It is, yeah. Oh, my God. I am so honored. You have no idea. <laughs> do you listen to any podcast yourself? I don't. I, I, I was, I've got to say, I don't think I've ever listened to a podcast <laughs> <laughs> in literally my entire life. I always, I always loved the idea. I wanted to listen. I actually gave one years ago before this video. I gave years ago. There's all these like true crime ones I've always wanted to listen to and everything. But because I work from home and I so rarely at the moment, especially in the pandemic, I'm not traveling or anything. I just think, when am I actually going to uh, do it? Exactly. Kind of exactly. That's That's been my issue primarily. So I, so, so for me, I should, I should explain to you my experience with, uh, with video games more or less begins and ends with Jurassic. So like okay. I, I had a Sega when I was really young. That was like the mm -hmm. first system I had. I, I had like systems. I had Sega onwards. So I had Sega, Super Nintendo, 64, Xbox, you know, et cetera. Um, and then I stopped in like 2003 for the most mm -hmm. part up until Evolu Jurassic World Evolution came out in 2018. So then suddenly I was thrust back into <laughs> the, uh, the game world after many, many years of being completely outside of it. And that is, of course, how I stumbled upon your content mm -hmm. so many years ago. Um, what has your relationship been with, with gaming specifically? Well, this could take a while. Um, yeah, I mean, I always, I was, I was very heavily into games growing up. Um, starting on basically the same things as you the super nintendo and the sega mega drive you know many hours wasted away on uh street fighter and games like that on the uh -huh. and aladdin and lion king for some reason always the disney games yeah um kept on it with the ps1 fond memories of getting 
horrendous nightmares from Resident Evil. <laughs> I don't know if you played the first Resident Evil, but there's a scene very near the start where this zombie turns around in this like really awful looking little CGI video, and it killed me for weeks. It just I couldn't sleep. <laughs> we had to hide the yeah, game behind I, the couch. I do. I do actually remember that. <laughs> um, I never really stopped. Uh, went into Xbox, Xbox 360, became very addicted to Mass Effect and everything like that. And then... I guess at university it slowed down a little bit because I was somehow having a social life and going out and stuff like that. And I had a group of friends who we used to play, maybe we played Call of Duty or FIFA together, but generally speaking, we did other things. But uh, by the end of, I don't know, I, mean, I don't know if you know about where the channel first started, but when it first started, it had nothing to do with dinosaurs at all. That wasn't the objective. Um, basically, I watched, do you know Yogscast? What is uh, it? Yogscast. Nah, I don't. They're, I mean, I don't really know what they're doing these days, but it's this big collective now of people. But it used to be just two guys who started playing games. And during my third year or so of university, you know, I played games every now and again for fun. I wasn't super, super into it. And I started watching these two play games. And I thought, oh, that looks fun. I could do that. They had this specific playthrough. I think it was uh, Dead Island. And I thought, yeah, I could do that. That looks enjoyable. Yeah, why not? <laughs> so I started doing it myself. Um I mean, I had racked up a few games in the meantime, like Fallout 3, I think I put 400 hours on, Oblivion, Whoa. stuff like that. Always in the hundreds. And so I just thought, yeah, okay, I'll give that a go. So I started my YouTube channel in that year, and that was 10 years ago this year. Wow. <laughs> Horrifically, yeah. I've been at this for a <laughs> long time now. <laughs> Literally, September this year is my 10-year anniversary. Well, congratulations. Yeah, <laughs> doesn't always feel doesn't always feel that way. <laughs> I know, I know the feeling, but I mean, how long have you been doing this as like your job? Uh, nine years. <laughs> so that's incredible. That is honestly incredible. So you deserve every bit of of praise and success that you have because, I mean, I, I'm sure the grass is always greener on the other side. But having been deeply immersed in customer service hell for the past. <laughs> three decades i can tell you there is a certain value to avoiding that altogether oh, in your day-to-day -day life yeah no matter sometimes the job gets you a little bit but i i know i'm very lucky to be able to do what i do and you know it's not always been easy over those 10 years and youtube and this kind of content creator lifestyle i think i should say the grass always looks greener from the outside it does seem very rosy you know at the end of the day i play games for a living i can't yeah. complain that much yeah <laughs> but you know if your views are in trouble or nothing's happening or you're worrying about things and you know you don't have a steady paycheck coming in stuff like yeah. that it can get very it can weigh on you very very heavily um, absolutely it's it could be terrifying i i understand completely um you went to school for i think you, you're a biomedical graduate is that correct mm -hmm. yeah i so basically, 10 years ago, nine years ago, I, well, yeah, it would have been 10, nine years ago now. Is that maths? That is maths. Yeah. I graduated from, a, I, I got a degree in biomedical science, uh, got into a couple of med schools, and I was going in that direction, but YouTube had started to make livable money. It was decent at that point. I could move out and live on my own and start it as a career. Yeah. And... Since those were my only two options at the time, and I thought, you know, med school was going to be another four-year commitment, and I felt it was something you had to be sort of desperately passionate about. Totally. I didn't think it was something you should do if you don't feel that, and I never really did. I was doing it because, you know, it's a good job, and there's prestige, and it's, it'd be great to help people and everything, but I just didn't think I was going to give my all to it, so I kind of just went with YouTube and didn't really stop. What What did you think, what, at, at that time, what, what did you feel a pull towards, aside from games? 
Um, <clears throat> career-wise, you mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, <laughs> I went around a little bit. I mean, I've been to three different, uni- four different universities now. I've done uh-huh. several courses and tried many degrees. Um, it was the idea was always for me to go into oncology. That was my long-term goal, as in uh-huh. uh, studying uh, cancer research and everything like that. Uh-huh. Um. You know, at times I dabbled with paleontology. I wanted to study that, but, you know, it's a fairly limited field to get into. Absolutely. Zoology. It was always, there was a lot of science and nature-based and animal-based stuff like that. That was always roughly where it was. Um, My first degree that I tried, I only went for a year. I studied linguistics for a year at York. Uh, The idea was originally, I really wanted to get into creative writing. I really like writing. I've been doing fiction writing all my life, basically. Mm Mm-hmm. And I didn't really research the degree. I wasn't really the most attentive teenager. So I didn't really research the degree. And linguistics is fantastic and really interesting. But it's more about, you know, the origins of language and the science behind language and all this. Yeah, it's yeah. really interesting, but it doesn't do anything if you want to increase your creative writing skills per se. It wasn't right. linking in with what I wanted to do. So that was a bit of a bust. Um, my A-levels went in science. So I went and did a life sciences year course thing and then i went to do biomedical science for the three-year degree i never really had if i'm honest like this burning passion to do one thing i never really felt that pull towards you know some people grow up and they have this big goal and that thing they always want to do and i never really had that um the only thing i knew was i didn't want to work for anyone else basically yeah Yeah. (laughs) i'm not not good at listening or taking orders I, i like being my own boss as much as possible so that was my first determination to try to make that happen basically how did your relationship begin with the jurassic franchise and how has it sort of evolved over the years um well i mean i was always a big fan of dinosaurs as a kid as i think most of us would um Uh i initially think i got into it because a lot of people won't be old enough to remember these but i think it was was it national geographic no it's the world wildlife federation i think they had these um booklets these big binders you could collect and you oh, collect yeah. these little do you cards. Yeah, you fill them yeah. up with these cards yep. of all these different yep. animals and stuff like that. And there's I a love dinosaur those versions. Things. Yes, oh. exactly. Oh, <laughs> there's nothing things. like it. It's the best with like little icons to indicate like the environment or the food yeah. reference or like all those things and like a little brief summary as to like what sets this animal apart and some of its phylogenetics and stuff. Oh, I love it. Exactly. And that that for me really got me into animals and science and dinosaurs in the first place. Because, um, you know, by the end, this binder was just stacked with hundreds and hundreds of really interesting species yeah how could you not fall in love with it um weirdly enough it wasn't the original jurassic park i don't actually have many memories of watching the original jurassic park it's the lost world jurassic park which over here in the uk um there's a channel itv3 i think it was usually on and they just for some reason lost world jurassic park all the time it was just on (laughs) specifically the lost world it was constantly on so I had like all these nostalgic memories of uh, being over at my dad's house on the weekends, and we would watch The Lost World Jurassic Park, and I must have watched it hundreds of times by this point. So it really got into me. And then I got the uh, when I got the original Xbox, I started, I know, on the Sega Mega Drive, there was the Jurassic Park game as well, Rampage Edition, uh, where you played like a little Alan Grant or a little Velociraptor and had yeah. to brutally difficult try to survive that. And it kind of just kept going. It did mainly go through the games for a long time because, of course, we didn't really have much in the way of films. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. there's the Sega games. On the PS1, there's the Lost Worlds game, which is 
one of my favorite games of all time. Uh -huh. Jurassic Park Operation Genesis was the big one. Uh -huh. And that was actually the game on the channel as well that really started the uh, kind of shift over to dinosaur content, I would say. Yeah. Just J-Pog. Um, really just good for the games, yeah. Um, and, it, well, it's, it's funny that, like, it started with Operation Genesis because you were then perfectly primed to embrace the world of Jurassic World Evolution, I feel. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, unfortunately, that came with two ways. On the one hand, it's great. Yes, we're all part of this dinosaur park-building community. You know, people were still making mods for the game until it's died down a little bit now because evolution modding has taken off. But until this year, last year, yeah. this game had been supported for 19 years or something with this amazing modding community. And that's fantastic. But on the other hand, it also meant waiting for 17 years <laughs> yeah. for us to finally get a new game in the franchise. We were neglected for a very, very long time. Very long game. Very, very long time. It's it, Well, okay, so I have two questions here related to this. Mm -hmm. One, what, has, what have been your top five favorite dinosaur games? Not, they don't have to be in, in, in uh, descending order or ascending order, any particular order. But what would you say the top five are? Okay. Uh, Jurassic Park Operation Genesis. Yeah. And if I'm honest, Jurassic World Evolution. I don't mm -hmm. think I'll look on it with the same nostalgia, but that's because you know, I'm yeah. a lot older when I first played it. It's a yeah. different yeah. kind of thing. Dino Crisis. Uh, one or two. I don't know. Maybe both in there. We'll see by mm -hmm. the end. Um, I would have in the past said Torok, or Torok Evolution, because I adored the game as a kid. But if I'm mm -hmm. totally honest doesn't hold up at all mm. <laughs> you can play the uh they didn't remake it but they kind of boosted up the resolution and everything and released it on pc and it was a slog to get through so that <laughs> kind of ruined my nostalgia a little bit there um i'm definitely missing some i actually did a list of my top 10 favorites it was really controversial at the time as well <laughs> <laughs> because arc survival evolved had just come out and uh -huh. i didn't put it on my top 10 and yeah. obviously people were very passionate about arc and uh, did not take kindly to my list um, the Hunter Primal, I really like. It's light on content and not seen anymore, but for a few months, it was a fantastic game to play. Uh -huh. I mean, it probably would have been Lost World on PS1, but it got yeah. on this as well. Top five, yeah, that's definitely yeah. up there. Yeah. yeah. Um, what, uh, what do you think... What genre of game do you think should be exploited by by dinosaurs more because you know there's so many different variations of of game format obviously out there and mm -hmm. dinosaurs are like park builders first person shooters sometimes third person like adventure games mm -hmm. of course there's the pokemon go thing yeah but what 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 would you like to see uh embraced and explored further i mean the dream game for me it's kind of coming out in the form of death grounds um for years, we said the one game we wanted, and me and a lot of other people, was Alien Isolation. Right, but yeah. Dinosaurs, yeah. yeah. I mean, kind of a first-person shooter, but Jurassic Park was never about shooting dinosaurs. It was never about right. weaponry or anything. It's more about, you know, the horror aspects and, for me, a lot of other things. But So a first-person survival horror game, not necessarily crafting and everything. It can be linear. What I really want, if I was going to build a dream game, is I want to go back, I want to explore the original Jurassic Park, and I want to occasionally be eaten by dinosaurs. <laughs> That's about it. I just want to explore Jurassic Park, be eaten alive. And I don't need to shoot anything. Let me hide. Kind of yeah. like Jurassic... I didn't play it, but Jurassic World Aftermath, I think, had... That's what I was going to... Yeah, that was my next question, is is what you... If you've, A, been able to play that game, and B, what your experience with virtual reality in general has been. 
Okay. Um, well, I no, I haven't played Aftermath yet because I just don't have a quest. I have okay. been considering picking one up, but I would be buying it just for Highly Aftermath recommend it. Yeah. Highly recommend it, yeah. Unless you have any issues, like, visually um, with, you know, getting sick with, you know, m m disparities between body and movement and all that mm -hmm. kind of stuff, visual stuff. No, I mean, I do have virtual reality. Um, I've got a Vive and a Rift, actually. Um, oh, cool. I bought the Rift secondhand five or six years ago and then valve sent me a vive for some reason or was it the other way around it was one of those two someone sent me a free virtual reality headset anyway and i had to do a few videos for them um so i mean i am a big big i don't do it on the channel because i think my setup for it is horrendous but i'm a big advocate for virtual reality i think it is not a gimmick i do think it's the future of gaming once it's a little bit more cheaper and it's easy yeah. to come to homes with quite less space and thankfully they're getting rid of the wires because the original virtual reality headsets you looked like some weird yeah. mecha demon with all these wires <laughs> stranding out the back of your head yeah once issues like that get sort of slowed down a little bit and maybe if it gets even more uh, communal and sort of social i don't know I, I think it's brilliant and even you play these sort of cheap little indie games with horrendous graphics, but in virtual reality, it's just, it's so much more impactful. You feel everything. It's crazy. It's really true. I love virtual reality. Always have. I think one of my favorite Jurassic experiences of all time was the, uh, I don't know if you've had the pleasure of experiencing this, but there, uh, this uh, wonderful VR studio called Felix and Paul did this short, like VR film that was just a, a, a patasaurus, a Jurassic World patasaurus, like rising yeah. up in like a clearing and like, you know, picking up some leaves near you and then, you know, going back to sleep. And that experience easily in my top five Jurassic experiences of all time. Oh, it, really? It really felt like the closest I will ever get to experiencing a dinosaur firsthand. Like yeah. it just, it felt like this is as good as it's going to get probably. Yeah. Um, and of course down the line, like technology will open up ways for it to become even more uh, compelling and, and, and convincing. But at the time it just blew my mind. And I, I, I have a, there's like a photo of me when I was experiencing it for the first time. And like the, the pure hysterical elation on my face <laughs> <laughs> is very palpable. Yeah. very very palpable i love that that's i mean that's exactly how you, you watch jurassic park and they see the brachiosaurus for the first time and it's that kind of yeah we're never gonna quite get that but i agree virtual reality is the closest we'll ever get and the more uh, we can push it the better it's gonna be oh i'm so excited and jurassic world aftermath um i i really enjoy mm -hmm. um i i purchased it at the end of november beginning of december i have not yet completed the first part of the game um, I have a very low threshold for, uh, scary things. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, the game is pretty traumatic in that you're constantly cowering under desks from snarling velociraptors and like mm -hmm. scampering and like getting attacked by them. And it, it, it's a lot for me to deal with, but it is very, <laughs> very, very good. It's very well done. And I'm very, I, I know that once the second part comes out, I will feel compelled to finish the first part so I can then complete the second. Right. But um, it is very frightening to me. I'm a major wuss. I'm, I'm, oh. I'm not too ashamed to admit. That's right. I'm right there with you. Believe me. I'm <laughs> really, really bad with the horror games. Absolutely oh. everything gets me. Horror films, oh my, God. my favorite genre. I will consume horror films all day long. Yeah. Put me in a video game and instantly I'm an absolute mess. <laughs> 
absolutely and vr is like a whole nother oh, level so like, much worse because yeah. you're just so vulnerable because you're just like you know yeah. on some level that you have this thing tied around your body and you can't actually see what's happening around you and then the other you're just being confronted with terrifying uh <laughs> stimulus on, on all angles it's 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 really really something else yeah that immersion factor is just impossible to get from anything else and if you haven't experienced vr i think it's a hard thing to to feel unless you've had it yourself because it really does feel i always equate it like if you think back to say when wolfenstein 3d first came out or these games that were these big generational leaps virtual reality might take a little bit more time to enter the mainstream but it feels that level to me i really do think it's that sort of fundamental to the future of games and it's for that reason you just it, it amplifies everything you do horror action whatever it just makes it feel so much more intense and real and immersive Absolutely. And honestly, I think one of the more interesting aspects of the pandemic, um, at mm. least from like a technology and culture standpoint, is the success of Oculus Quest 2. Like, I mm -hmm. mean, the sales of it have just been insane and it's expanded the range of VR users so tremendously. And the accessibility of that, I think this is really going to make the really solidify VR as the future of gaming. I think that this moment really did it. Mm hmm. Thanks I don't think that. it's like I don't think it's like clear yet. It hasn't manifest yet. But I think looking in retrospect, it'll be clear that this was the moment was that the, the moment, shift yeah. occurred. Yeah. Yeah. You can see it happening as well. You see Valve releasing, you know, Half Life Alex on a you know <laughs> the first Half Life game people have been begging for for decades. Right. And it's on a it's a pure VR only game that shows people are transitioning. About yeah, it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Dinosaurs in general, I feel like, have been experiencing a bit more popularity since Jurassic World was mm -hmm. uh, brought back. Um, I think there's like a lot of random toys and a lot of random video games being churned out with dinosaur-ish looking things in them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but why do you think... I, I think there's a tremendous lack in dinosaur games considering how incredibly cool they are and could be. Why mm -hmm. do you think we don't have more dinosaur games? And why do you think we don't have more really good dinosaur games? Ooh, I mean, I, I would say the, it's kind of a double-edged sword. I think Jurassic world as a franchise so strongly dominates the dinosaur landscape that it's quite hard for other properties to kind of, wiggle their way in in a way um yeah and i think that scares a lot of people off like other bigger studios don't tend to go for it because there's not you know when it, you think about Jurassic world evolution would that game have existed if Jurassic world had come out even if you ignore the tie-ins not really but frontier could use it because the franchise gives you such a big step forward into the community that you would yeah. otherwise have we've had a few indie games that came out over the last few years um there's a game oh, i'm gonna forget the name oakwood which probably haven't played because it's a horror game but yeah <laughs> it's a little indie dinosaur horror game which is surprisingly good and we always get little things like that but i think part of the problem as well why things don't hit with the community is people just aren't making the right games and i don't want that to be a, a slight on anyone we are seeing that change pre-stock kingdom yeah. is coming out and that looks to be very successful and there's a lot of love poured into that and it's going to be a fantastic dinosaur game but outside of park builders we don't nobody's trying <laughs> like we have second I extinction know. second extinction came out and maybe it's a fun i don't know if you saw that it's like a left for dead style game with dinosaurs but with like fluffy the dinosaurs uh, are bizarre raptor monsters yeah. Yeah, yeah 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 it is literally an indoraptor i can't believe they got away with it frankly but yeah <laughs> it's just no one's trying to make the games that i think people even want park builders because that's what we associate with dinosaurs and that really is because jurassic park but yeah nobody 
big budget wise is trying to make that sort of horror experience or that adventure experience or that style of game that people want. I don't I don't know why people aren't going for it more. Maybe there's stuff in development I don't know about. Yeah, the other like day, how I'm, is Capcom not done a new Dino Crisis? I know for it's years. Not, it's it's crazy. Years. We've heard it's about crazy. rumors. There, there are still rumors going around. I think they're uh-huh. remaking Resident Evil 4 now. Okay. But I don't think you can really remake Resident Evil 5 because it was a next gen up and it would be a little bit shoddy and no one cares about Resident Evil 5. I mean, I yeah. love Resident Evil 5, but most people <laughs> don't care about Resident Evil 5. Um, there are suggestions that they might go back to Dino Crisis after that. It is staggering to me. It's like the only other big Dino property out there. Yeah. And uh, it is widely being ignored. And it's Capcom, though. Capcom will have Resident Evil and they have pachinko machines and that's about it these days. <laughs> they don't seem that interested. I wonder if they would be so bold as to try to embrace scientific accuracy with their designs or if they would just double down on, like, scary... I'm sure they would double down on, like, scary-looking yeah. dinosaur-ish monsters. I probably. think everything would be Jurassic Parkified. I think it's going to be... Or Jurassic Worldified and then some. Because like, yeah. yeah, because, like, there's very distinct aesthetic differences between those two eras. And Capcom... I think, actually, if anything, Jurassic World probably borrowed some energy from Dino Crisis, actually, in terms of their dinosaur designs and behavior patterns. Not really. <laughs> I mean, I, I would say so. I mean, like, I feel like the Dino Crisis dinosaurs were all, for the most part, pretty drab, scary, and or spiky. And I would say <laughs> that is pretty yeah. much... Those are pretty much the only factors I could say are consistent with the Jurassic World dinosaurs, is that they're a little... Spikier, a little scarier, and a little grayer, I think. Yeah. I'm so glad we agree on this. This is a nice topic to agree on. I feel like a little bit of a... I don't know. I, don't, I mean, I don't know how you feel about the films in general, but I am quite, I've got to say, dispassionate about the new films. I don't yeah. really feel yeah. much about them, and uh, sometimes feels like I'm quite alone in that. I understand. I'm, look, I'm very glad that a new generation of people are connecting with these films, and yeah, all these new dinosaur fans, but for me, the film's... I mean, I, I have an immense distaste for Fallen Kingdom. I think it's an awful film. Yeah. <laughs> I'll happily talk about that until the end of the days. But um, for me, you know, it means we get new games and we get new books and it stirs up interest in dinosaurs. The films are kind of like a vessel now for everything else rather right. than something I necessarily get excited. I mean, we got Camp Cretaceous because of the Jurassic World films and yeah, stuff like that and Aftermath, etc. So... You know, Camp Cretaceous is is leagues above the films in so my opinion. So much better. So much like, better. So much better. Completely um, agree. I I do have uh, some optimistic feelings for Dominion, um, mm-hmm. based on some things that I have learned over the years. But um, I don't think it'll be nearly as good as Camp Cretaceous has been because I feel like I mean, there's just I mean the the writing is just there's just no. <laughs> The writing is so much better. Like the, the yeah. they respect the respect you feel for the odd like that you can feel coming mm-hmm. from the writers of that show is is very real. And I, I just do not experience that with the movies at all. No, I completely um, agree. Uh what what were your biggest issues with Fallen Kingdom, <clears throat> if I may ask? Whew, could take a while. Um <laughs> Okay. I'm one uh, of the perverse weirdos who actually kind of loves Fallen Kingdom in a way. Okay. Um, I'm fully willing to admit, I understand it's a, not a good movie at all, but there are certain aspects about it that I just really enjoy. But please, uh, I digress, continue. I, I will say there are aspects of the film that I enjoy. Um, 
I mean, I don't know if it's necessarily Fallen Kingdom itself as much as tiredness with the direction of the franchise, but it just feels so far away from Jurassic Park at this point that it upsets me, I guess. Yeah, um, same. So for a few of the Fallen Kingdom problems, um, I think it had a really bad issue with tonal whiplash. You know, it would go from life and death dramatic situation to goofy slapstick humor in about yeah. two seconds flat and it just flipped between the two as much as it possibly could yeah the in particular thinking of like the scene with the uh sign of ceratops looking go in yeah, the lava, yeah just all yeah. that kind of stuff just really bugs me because it's and and escaping from the lava of the um what's it a pyroclastic cloud i think yeah pyroclastic flow and everything like that it's just it's so jurassic park it was about a, a guy making you know well not hybridized but you know dinosaurs from all these different materials and they broke out and catastrophe but it was all grounded and tangible and kind of felt somewhat real and i just feel like the new films are a million miles away from that and the scripts for fallen kingdom like it really upset me because uh biona the director is one of my favorite directors he's a fantastic horror director as well big time same yeah even trevorrow actually (laughs) He did um, a film called Safety Not Guaranteed, which was yeah. basically his only major film before Jurassic World, yeah. which is a little staggering if you think about it. But um, I, I adore that film. Like, I'm a big yeah. fan of Safety Not Guaranteed, one of my favorite yeah. films. And I don't know, everything's just... Nothing feels grounded or... or f- stu- I don't know, nothing, nothing's tangible. And right. in Fallen Kingdom, it felt like whoever wrote it had just watched Avengers on repeat for like 10 years or something because <laughs> every line is like some quippy little heroic put yeah. down or line or something it just really annoyed me they're not talking like real people yeah no they don't and, talk at all like people in 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 that in those movies yeah and that really goes back to for me actually my favorite part of camp cretaceous um not only does it bit of a t- t- tirade here but <laughs> so for yeah. me the big thing about jurassic park was um this kind of always this balance between the sort of the beauty and the majesty of the dinosaurs, you know, the Brachiosaurus for the first time, or when they see them on the treetops, against the Velociraptors breaking out, the T-Rex breaking out, that kind of the way it can flip between the beauty of the dinosaurs and this desperate life or death situation in no yeah. time at all was, was right. a lot of what drove Jurassic Park for me. And I feel like the respect and love for the dinosaurs has kind of disappeared in a way. Um, my favorite scene in Fallen Kingdom is when Owen and... I've only actually only seen it twice. I can't really remember that much. Owen and Claire are trapped, I think, in the basement of the Lockwood Mansion. Uh-huh. And they're looking over at the Triceratops with the baby. Mm-hmm. And Claire asks Owen, do you remember the first time you saw a dinosaur? And that is precisely the kind of character moment and love yeah. for these creatures that I wanted to see so much more of. But then the sticky Moloch comes in and everyone flies up <laughs> in the air. Yeah. And the Indoraptor is smiling and mm-hmm. <laughs> just all this stuff. And it just... It just lost me. Yeah. And it's why I like Camp Cretaceous. Not only does it have so many more of those moments, but the characters are actually real characters. It's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they grow and they change and they aren't the same people now that they were. You know, Owen is identical. identical. <laughs> at the end of Fallen Kingdom, at the start of Jurassic World, nothing has changed except he likes blue more, I yeah. guess. There's really any, no other difference. And any changes that occurred with Claire are almost like incomprehensible <laughs> so yeah. it, like class what... got the best development and hers are still you know uh, well uh, i don't it just doesn't make that much sense to me i don't think it feels like it, it, it they were all kind of written around like a certain plot idea yes than, it's plot driven development yeah. rather than character development yeah driven development which really annoys me as a film fan really it's actually yeah. one of my more annoying quirks 
if, like, for example, I always come back to that. People say the Apatosaurus scene is so beautiful in Jurassic World, and I can see why people are sad about it. But to me, it felt like, okay, we need Claire to now be sad about the dinosaurs. Yeah, he's a dead dinosaur. It didn't it wasn't natural character growth? It was she sees a dead dinosaur or dying dinosaur. Now she loves dinosaurs. Character development done. Let's Done. Move on. Moving on. Yeah. <laughs> we can do. We can do two now. We're good. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 been a real bummer for me for sure. Um, but again, like the surge in interest in dinosaurs and the franchise in general. Like one of I, you know, during this whole lockdown period, I, mm-hmm. I live in like a tiny shoebox sized apartment in like East Hollywood, Los Angeles, and nope. there's like nothing open or anything to do around me for like months now. Um, Except they opened a new Target, which is like a big department store here mm-hmm. in yeah. the States. And I just walk over there and I go to the toy aisle. And every single time I go to the <laughs> toy aisle, there's like a little Latinx kid like freaking out over the dinosaurs <laughs> in the toy aisle. And like, it's just my favorite thing in the world is just to observe these kids just like yeah. freaking out with over dinosaurs with just like unbridled joy and enthusiasm and excitement. And like, it just makes me feel so much better about well, of course, the Jurassic franchise, but the world in general, just to know mm-hmm. that that's happening makes me feel at ease, I think. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the games like Jurassic World Evolution. I mean, I had so much I spent so much time in Jurassic World Evolution and I had such <laughs> a wonderful, wonderful time creating all these worlds and stuff. Um, you know, all this side material almost makes up for the uh, shortcomings, in my opinion. No, absolutely. And as I say, like no matter how much I don't really feel for the film, I still at the end of the day, I'll still be there on day one for Dominion, I'm sure. But as much as I'm not super enamored with the films, I do love that it's getting a new generation into dinosaurs so much, as you say. And, you know, maybe they'll be doing this like us in 30 years time and talking about their love for Jurassic World and getting them into the franchise. But uh, yeah. Yeah, no, it's great. At the end of the day, it doesn't really matter where people come from. And even if I don't like the material, at the end of the day, I don't think that matters that much. You know, they are... It's, it's hard to disassociate the nostalgia from the original Jurassic Park. I think object, if we're trying to be objective, you can say the original Jurassic Park, at least, is a much better made film. But it doesn't really matter. It's, it's They're there for a new generation. Maybe they're not made for me anymore. And that's a little yeah. sad, but... As long as, you know, other people are getting inspired by the franchise and into it, and I do have other materials to enjoy, you know. I, yeah. I just had a look at my Steam there. I have 487 hours <laughs> in Jurassic World Evolution, so I wow. can't complain too much. Yeah, yeah. I, I do think, though, to be fair, I don't think it's, like, all or nothing. I think that we can mm-hmm. ask more and, and, and satisfy a number of demands successfully rather than just sacrificing, you know, one for 50, you know, personally. That's true. Um... So one of the speaking of Jurassic World Evolution, one of the things that interested me the most about it was the, of course, the mods, the mods mm-hmm. that were being produced uh, from the beginning to the end, um, and then also just for me, I you know, I, you know the, the I'm, I'm always I watch a lot of YouTube people, um, and I'm always fascinated by perceiving what psychology is happening as they're doing whatever it is they're doing, <laughs> and so I remember when um, Frontier was pretty adamant about. Uh, their stance on modding mm-hmm. um, and I like so much modding content was being produced but you were not covering it mm-hmm. for quite some time until you did um, I'm curious just like what that experience for you was like as a content creator and as someone who's probably very excited about these mods 
and wanting to talk and share about them, but feeling like you, I don't know, what was you, what was going through your, what was, what was that like for you? It was, yeah, it was, it was incredibly frustrating. I had uh, many conversations with a community manager over at Frontier who was no longer there, but she was fantastic and had a really open dialogue with me. Um, it was annoying. I mean, the modding scene, it had existed for a while, but people were kind of having to break the game to make things happen. It wasn't like yeah. it is now where it's much more open and everyone can get involved. People were doing some pretty crazy stuff, but it was in the very sort of burgeoning stages. Um, I pushed really hard to get us... I mean, at the end of the day, we can cover whatever you want. Frontier, we're never going to restrict right. your content. But right. it was a case of, you know, we have a partnership with Frontier. You know, they've been really good to me. They give me all the games and DLC for this and Planet 2 ahead of time. They flew me out to Los Angeles, you know, for the for the coverage of Jurassic World Evolution. I met Ian Malcolm. I can't, you know. <laughs> I owe Frontier quite a lot. They've been really good to me in general. And at the end of the day, it was trying to respect a sort of working relationship until I felt that I had more of a go-ahead that uh, pursuing the modding content wasn't going to tarnish that relationship and maybe prevent us working together in the future. And after many conversations and worth noting that this really was coming from the higher ups who had worries about i'm sure like legality issues and red tape and stuff like mm -hmm, that really mm -hmm. finally we sort of got through that and they said okay you know we can proceed now and we can keep working together and we you know have several times since so yeah it was annoying for a little while um that was kind of in a very low period as well for the, nothing really was going on you know there's no yeah. films coming out there's no content for Jurassic World Evolution and sometimes I'll hit a lull in all of the content that I cover <laughs> and it can be quite difficult to you know pay the rent for example so I oh, was yeah. really pushing for the modding for selfish reasons as well because I, I knew it would be good for the longevity of the content on the channel so of course yeah just kind of kept going and we got there eventually what do you have um I, I i rarely do these like top three top five things but for you for some <laughs> reason it just seems to be happening um what have been your top three favorite uh evolution mods oh okay uh whew, let me think i have about 200 installed so yeah <laughs> um well someone did a megatherium the other day that was themed after my channel mascot so uh -huh. it's a, a sloth with a top part and a monocle and everything so that's very much on my list um oh, this is really hard to think of this off my head there's been so many there's a it'd be easy to talk about a few creators i suppose but yeah 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 um okay for example la studios does a lot of really fantastic they did a they don't do many mods but when they do they're always incredible quality um yeah most of my favorite mods are always ones that have i like speculative features on dinosaurs because yes. in the end we have so many mods and so many dinosaurs and you know you can have three four five twenty sauropods that all look slightly the same or we can yeah. add a skin flap here or there we can do yeah. something a little different with the patterning and they always push the boat out in that regard so i really like that um I'm actually really, I mean, hopefully they don't mind me saying this, but I'm quite into the modding community for Jurassic World Evolution. You know, it's the Discord I'm probably most active on, even more than my own, and yeah. I know all the players in it, blah, 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 blah. And it is filled with the most, just people are just crazy passionate about the game, and it's really cool to see, and people just keep <laughs> coming up with crazy mods and all these dinosaurs I've never heard of, and I owe a lot to the community in general. Um, not only are they super welcoming and you know appreciative for my content but they give me so much to work from and make some really astounding stuff 
Um, it would be hard I, to come up with a, a top list off the top. Yeah, of my head. there's just, there's so, just many. so many. There's yeah. just so many. I, I I think consistently. Now, mind you, I'm not aware of all of the creators, so I I, I can't you know be too. Mm -hmm. uh, thorough on this but jagged fang is it jagged fang jagged designs? fang designs are brilliant as well yeah oh god i mean there's the, their designs especially their their patterns and textures yeah. um are just absolutely sublime like oh yeah i mean they've been in the game for a long time they were doing suit tycoon and yeah yeah, yeah. Park operation genesis and everything and yeah that dinosaurs are staggering as well some of my favorites absolutely so good. So, like, the, uh, um, a continuous thing that's that has been a topic of conversation here is the because this show is primarily about the the relationship between science and fiction in the Jurassic franchise, and mm -hmm. and over time, it, it a conversation about the in, scientific inaccuracies and uh, lackluster creature design or mm -hmm. outright just outright like designs that have been just outright copied by previous designs. Oh, right. Um, have yeah. been a major, major point of discussion throughout mm -hmm. this uh, podcast. One thing that comes up often is the, the franchise needs to embrace paleo artists and mm -hmm. the people on the periphery that are making these mods and making, like, you know, uh, beautiful uh, stylized dinosaurs that could still fit within the Jurassic franchise but actually are pushing the boundary in these, like, plausible but very creative and engaging ways. I think that that's what they need to do. They need to embrace these these other people on the periphery far more than they have been because there's just so much more exciting stuff happening <laughs> elsewhere. And I just don't know if they'll ever do that. I really don't know, but I hope they do. No, I completely agree. One of the more annoying sentiments I see pop up all the time on Twitter and stuff is, well, Jurassic Park dinosaurs aren't meant to be realistic, et cetera, yeah. et cetera. I just think, but when the original film came out, they were perfectly realistic yeah. they try i mean okay yes things like dilophosaurus and the spitting or the sizes of some of the dinosaurs yeah. etc yeah they took some you know what's the word liberties took some liberties that's the word yeah, thank you. Yeah, yeah they took you know plenty of liberties you have to make a film at the end of the day but generally speaking the dinosaurs were at least somewhat realistic for the time yeah. it's only looking back now we can say yeah okay well none of them look anything like that basically yeah um and I think, especially because, as we've already said, Jurassic World is inspiring this whole new wave of people interested in dinosaurs, all these kids interested in dinosaurs and, and future paleontologists and paleoartists and modders and everything, that I, I think the Jurassic franchise has a little bit of an obligation to ramp up its accuracy and ramp up that some scientific merit and I mean, why not be a little educational? Why not? <laughs> no. I don't see any reason why not. And I think they've got this panic that people will resist these dinosaurs for some reason, but I just don't think it's the case. Um, now, obviously, I'm not going to go into spoiler territory here. There are signs in Dominion that certain dinosaurs may be pushing that boat a little bit more. But uh -huh. I'll have to wait and see how that uh, comes to fruition, I guess. Indeed indeed mm. um speaking of scientifically accurate critters in a park builder game mm. what so prehistoric kingdom I, I mean i i could just fall at my knees and weep at how <laughs> incredible it is like yeah watching you just have this like unlimited sandbox of design so i'm 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 someone that grew up in central florida around the theme parks mm -hmm. um and i'm also someone who's obsessed with animals so i spent most of my life um, in elaborately themed zoos or uh, <laughs> elaborately themed theme parks. Yeah. Um, and so Prehistoric Kingdom is just an absolute fantasy for me of, of it's just so versatile. Um, and the designs are just incredible. <laughs> um, if you can, 
just talk, tell me about your. I, oh, here's the other thing. Again, I I not a big gamer, mm -hmm. so I do not have a PC. I have a Mac. Um, I haven't had a PC in like twenty something years. Um, I don't think I'll ever have access to Prehistoric Kingdom. Right. Um, and it kills me a little bit. Mm -hmm. But what has your experience been with Prehistoric Kingdom? What are your thoughts on it? What do you see happening with it? Uh, I, I mean, I'm a, I've been <laughs> following Prehistoric Kingdom. I played it. I think I mentioned this on my Twitter at one point. I linked my original video. I first covered the game six years ago, something yeah. like that. I did a video on the very first gameplay they ever did. Obviously, a lot has changed since that. Um, yeah. Uh, I've been involved, uh, not involved, but part of the communities, etc., for a lot of dinosaur games at this point in time. Yeah. Many, many, many. And a lot of them fall at the first hurdle. A lot of them don't turn out the way you want them to. Um, Prehistoric Kingdom would be the game I am more confident about than any other game in the history of my channel. Um, wow. You know, I know all the devs and they're all fantastic people, really friendly, but really knowledgeable and really hard workers. Um, and just, yeah, the core concept is, is is perfect. It's everything I want in a park builder. I mean, I love Jurassic World Evolution, and that's not going to change, but the slightly stifled creativity does limit yeah. its sort of long-term appeal. That's really the, the main problem. Um, yeah. Infusing that increased creativity, like Planet Zoo levels creativity, which Frontier did nail on Planet Zoo. Yeah. But that level of creativity with those hyper-accurate dinosaurs, some of them a little speculative. You know, if you've seen the yeah. Pachyrhinosaurus, for example. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, yeah, yeah. It's super fluffy, but I appreciate that. You know, it's always But they have another optional. version that's not super fluffy. Correct? Yeah, there's always, it's yeah, always yeah. an optional thing. Yeah, yeah. if you want to push the boat out a little bit. And that's great. Why not push the boat out a little bit every now and again? Um, yeah, I, don't, I can't hype up the game enough. I'm incredibly excited for it. And, it, you know, it's still alpha at this point in time. So, you know there's limitations and there's bugs and there's not too much content but you know you look at what they've got planned and the support team behind them and it'll it will be the best dinosaur game ever made i think i think it'll easily sit at the top of my list given a couple of years i would say yeah it certainly seems like it would be hard to imagine it's not um what is the timetable for that do you or do you know um, I think the idea is, I think we're entering beta Q2, so relatively soon, maybe next okay. month. I don't want to yeah. solidify that, but I, as far as the like, top of my head, and I believe the idea is to enter early access in Q3. Okay. Um, so at the moment, obviously, it's not publicly available unless you backed on the Kickstarter or on Critivo, but right. at least by the end of the year, I think it's early access with, if I recall, 20 species 22 species something like that and then yeah. the idea is over time over the next couple of years they'll carry on adding to the roster i suppose i don't, I don't know when they're planning to come out of early access but it should be publicly available to everyone by the end of the year at least that is so exciting and again i'm going to do this thing again the favorites game with you um <laughs> <laughs> uh is there a critter in prehistoric kingdom that you were really excited about there are several for me but i'm curious if there's one in there there's a, they have a really good roster. Coming. Yeah, the roster is fantastic. Just for having prehistoric non-dinosaurs in there, you know, yeah. prehistoric mammals and stuff, it just mm -hmm. widens the pool so much. Um, Uteranus has long been one of my favorite dinosaurs. Same. So to have Uteranus coming in and hopefully, you know, yeah. fully properly feathered like it should yeah. be, I think it's going to be very, very cool. Uh, Megatherium, when that makes it in, is very exciting for me as yeah. well. I don't know, just all of them, really. I think when the dinosaurs are rendered so beautifully and so lifelike or at least it will be when all the behaviors and sounds and creatively as well because there's, yeah. there's there's creative vitality in their design every you skin know? is you know yeah. beautifully made and you can tell there's so much passion into it basically yeah 
And yeah, it just makes every dinosaur really exciting. And actually, that's one of my favorite things with... I, I've long... Like, if a dinosaur game's coming out in early access and it's really bare bones, I still quite like to cover it because one of my favorite things to do with a game is see it change over time and grow and develop and, you know, get excited about all the new content. So as yeah. soon as Prehistoric Kingdom hits early access and we start getting this slow drip as the animal count goes up and up towards the 50 or so mark, which I think yeah. is meant to be the release count, you know, that's going to be really cool. Every single new dinosaur is going to be this sort of big, exciting introduction as well that we get to receive over the next couple of years. Oh, man. I, I cannot talk, wait. Yeah, super, super positive about the game. Couldn't say a bad word against it, really. Um, I That's extremely exciting to hear. I hope that one day it comes out on Mac or something by some <laughs> miracle. I really, really, really do. Um, would, yeah, I'd be surprised if they didn't push for that eventually. Yeah, so... Um, we've heard rumors that uh, Frontier is working towards a uh, Jurassic World Evolution sequel of some kind mm -hmm. or follow-up or something. And I know you've covered this in your channel, but what would you say Frontier should most focus on with this next iteration of that game? I think it is the creativity more than anything else. Um, you see with games like Planet Zoo, for example, I mean, if I... If I just check my Steam here, I actually played Planet Zoo more than Evolution, considering Planet Zoo came out so much later. Um, you played Planet Zoo more than Evolution? Yeah, 510 wow. hours in Planet Zoo, something like that. That's crazy you know, to me. I, I did a build the other day. It took eight hours to yeah. make, you know, a There's just so many that. more options to do, yeah, like exactly. so, so much more finesse and. and you can and essentially things. make anything you want. And yeah. unfortunately for Evolution, although it's got all the franchise kinks and everything, which is fantastic, every park you make especially before modding came in yeah. but every park you make looks eh, basically the same you know there's one yeah. type of building there's a handful of fences there's three terrains yeah. you can't there's no decorations whatsoever we got trees and rocks and stuff you know post-launch yeah. and i think frontier know this i actually think i saw a tweet by i can't remember who it was but a frontier member of staff what they would most like to have changed by evolution and it was that lack of decoration that lack of creativity so i am hopeful that that is the yeah. main thing they'll fix because it, it just adds so much to the longevity of a game it Absolutely. really is the main thing if i take it back to planet zoo um the latest dlc was pure animals there's no decorations in the pack uh -huh. and that was the southeast asian one yeah yeah and lots of beautiful animals some of my absolute favorites the fixed winterong the sun bears yeah. really <laughs> great animals but the pack just doesn't have the same longevity. And for me, at least, I was much less excited about it because as, as great as the animals are, you know, if I do a video on Planet Zoo or I spend eight hours building a habitat, I look at the animals for about 10 minutes of that right. entire yeah. time. You know, most of the time yeah. I'm using these new tools to try to build new things and try to, you know, bring some creativity to life. And the animals aren't actually a big part of that. It's great to have new ones, but I don't think they should ever be the 100% focus. So hopefully evolution doesn't fall into the actually kind of the trap that Fallen Kingdom did a little bit in a lot of the hype up materials before it came out. There uh -huh. was a big marketing push off. We have the most dinosaurs you've ever seen in yeah, Jurassic franchise yeah. and all this. I just thought that's not the point. That's never been the point. And it isn't yeah. here either. Um, yeah. Evolution should have plenty of dinosaurs because it already has an expanded DLC roster, assuming they bring along all the dinosaurs from the first game. Yeah. But if the game is going to last longer this time and just you know be more beloved by everyone in the public and blah 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 that is the thing they need to focus on it's that creativity and that customization and that kind of aspect basically for me yeah i i would love to see like different biomes introduced and yeah you know like like uh 
like uh, biome specific vegetation and, and rocks and all that would be just incredible mm -hmm. to see. Yeah, and ways to actually decorate our park itself as well. You know, just even just you know, we don't have benches and yeah, you know, <laughs> like you know it's a park builder, but we don't have benches. It's bizarre to me. It's definitely something that needs uh, looking at, and I, I believe they will. I I think they do. Uh, people give Frontier a hard time sometimes because they're they're not very communicative about what they're doing or what their plans are. They tend right. they kind of like just like to bring things out. They don't tend to give timescales and stuff like that. But um, yeah. You know, we saw with things like the dinosaur sizes, you know, it was a mistake that they made, sure, but the public outcry happened and it changed. You know, yeah. things got fixed. They do at least listen to people. And I'm, the Binturong, like that was yeah, incredible. The, yeah. That was such a quick turnaround. Oh, and, but like that really was essential, absolutely essential. That yeah. Build-A-Bear monstrosity <laughs> was not okay. With the four ears for some yeah. reason. Yeah. Oof. It went from the worst animal in the game to one of my actual favorites, so... Yeah, yeah. Bitrong's one of my favorite critters. I exactly. Just, yeah, it was a I shame that such a them. unique, yeah. beautiful animal had been kind of butchered. But yeah, they turned it around. Um, there are, I think, a lot of it is they're a very quickly growing company. I think they're like the biggest game developer now in the UK. Um, Whoa! They've, they've grown. They've like doubled their staff in the last few years or something. They're, they're huge these days. How much of that is because of evolution? Do you think? I think evolution is a big part of it. Yeah. yeah. Um, I know it was their biggest sale seller by a fairly humongous margin. Yeah. Um, yeah. I know they've got more licensed stuff on the way now as well, so I think they're leaning in yeah. that direction, which I quite like. Yeah. Uh, licensed games always have this kind of um, reputation of being sort of cheap, yeah, shoddy tie-ins, but I think if you can take a license and really do it justice, then, you know, like I say, you've got a good foot in the door, you've got a market there for you already, and, yeah, I don't know. I'm optimistic for them, but they are massively expanding, and there's going to be growing pains along the way, I think, with anything of like that. You know? Of course. If they were to produce a video game based around Camp Cretaceous, hmm. which they might be. Really? <laughs> um, what would you like to see? Just out of curiosity, I saw someone mention this on Twitter earlier. It's, I thought it was meant to be like a mobile game or something. But um, uh, let me think about that. I don't know. I think I'm, I think it's it's most likely going to be a mobile game. I, I yeah. mean, it, it's I like it's a kid-oriented franchise. Huh? Can I say the title? Is that a spoiler? I don't uh, know. Well, I just want to know if it's the same thing that I saw. <laughs> um, I don't have a title, no. Oh, I saw something called like Stomp and Smash or something like that, which I saw earlier today. Yeah, but that wasn't Camp Cretaceous specific, Oh, was okay. It? I, I, I have not heard anything about Camp Cretaceous game. This is actually news to me, so. Yeah, yeah. Oh, interesting. There, there is, I mean, you know, it's Jurassic and things are like changing every three seconds. Yeah, um, true. But there is a, um, apparently a, a game in development for Camp Cretaceous. Okay, well, that makes sense. I mean, it's hugely popular and everything, yeah. Um, yeah. That's cool. Um, I would worry that it's going to be a park builder because <laughs> that seems <laughs> to be the go-to, really, yeah. especially for mobile games and, you know, we've seen the popularity of Jurassic World, the game, and everything like that. And Jurassic World, the game, is obviously getting on a little bit now, so it wouldn't necessarily surprise me if they're uh, looking to move yeah, on to a new generation. Yeah. Um, I don't know how it would be super unpopular, but you know what I think would suit it more than anything else? It's like a retro 2D point-and-click adventure game. You know, like oh, Broken yeah. Sword and stuff like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I can see that working really well. Yeah, so that's, that's also... You more often. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's new information. I didn't know any of this. I got a lot. <laughs> got the scoops, man. Yeah. 
Uh, right. No, that'd be cool. Yeah, that's well. Yeah, same kind of vibe, I suppose. I think it really suits that format really well. Yeah, I think and so too. That sense of adventure and slight sort of childishness, but also yeah, I know. I also wonder like how much of that danger. is like my own nostalgic feeling for the type of games that I would be playing when I would be the target audience yeah. of those. You know what I mean? Like I'm like how much of that is just my own nostalgia uh, making it feel like it <laughs> makes a lot yeah, of sense to yeah. me. <laughs> I think it's quite hard to think of other things that would. So, I mean, I could see, you know, if you think back to, it's less of a thing now, but especially in the sort of Xbox 360, PS3 era, there's tons of these 3D platformer games, like really cheap ones. Ice Age has like 20 games and there's yeah. all these cheap yeah. sort of movie tie-ins. I could yeah. see something like that as well. I think that would work for Camp Cretaceous. Where you yeah, control, that's... Or like that a Lego feels... game, you know, where you flip between the characters to do different tasks. Oh, that exactly. Could that could yeah. be something like that, actually. Yeah, that's kind of what I expect. Like, yeah. and I honestly expect it to be a mobile game. It just, it just yeah. makes the most sense that it would be a mobile game. So I'm, I'm fully expecting some type of mobile game version of that. But who knows? I could be surprised. Yeah. No. Hopefully. I mean, that always upsets me a lot. <laughs> we always hear about these games, and it's like with um, Godzilla as a franchise. It doesn't really get many games these days since yeah. 2014. And every time yeah. we hear about a new game, it's always a mobile game. You know. Yeah. It's very. I mean, at the end of the day, console games are getting very expensive to develop and everything at a big risk. I understand why. It's just it's a yeah. bit of a shame sometimes. It Never really, really experience. is. It really is. I'm so grateful that we we were able to at least get, you know, Jurassic World Aftermath to see, yeah. you know, the, the branching out into that field is a milestone as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, it's quite a risk, actually, in a lot of ways. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, so uh, moving forward in the franchise, mm -hmm. Uh, we are introduced to the idea that dinosaurs are going to be uh, the the technology that made the recreation of these dinosaurs or creation of these dinosaur-like things possible has gone open source. Mm -hmm. And there are populations of dinosaurs scattered across the globe uh, on mainland continents. Um, and, you know, mankind is going to have to figure out what its relationship is going to be with these, with these animals. Mm -hmm. Um which I think is like a very fascinating premise to explore. Yeah. Um, is there anything in particular that you would be excited to see in a Neo Jurassic world? It's something new for the franchise. It is genuinely a change. You know, things yeah. are different. And I, a lot of people said that about Fallen Kingdom, and I don't want to harp on Fallen Kingdom. <laughs> but at the end of the day, yes, it was off the island, but it was still a dinosaur breaks out on these people. It didn't feel yeah. different to me. But this yeah. could be, you know, that wider change. And as you say, that kind of, they kind of dabbled with it in FK with uh, the DPG and all that, but yeah, this kind of idea of what rights do the dinosaurs have? Are they the same as animals in the wild? Are they going to be protected? And um, you know, do they count as real animals at all? Because technically, you know, they were made in a lab and genetic right. experiments and yeah. all this stuff. I think that's a really interesting moral gray area that I really hope they push. Same. Um, and I also like that because we do now have established other creators of these dinosaurs, it does allow them to break out of that ingenified, you know, non-feathered uh -huh. <laughs> Jurassic Parkified <laughs> yeah. style of dinosaur, uh -huh. while still fitting it well into the canon. You know, we don't have to have, we don't have to change the existing Velociraptors that people, you know, really love because we can just have biosyn make their own fluffy yeah. Velociraptors and it's perfectly okay and fits within the world. I think it's a really nice way to expand it out and if we're going to get more Jurassic Park world films, which has been talked about, I don't know which direction that would go in, but I think opening the design world and the creation world is a really necessary step for taking the franchise forward. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm not 
I feel if I'm honest, I'm not particularly interested in what Blue gets up to or Owen gets up to. But yeah. <laughs> in terms of the wider world and hopefully some of the questions that come up, yeah, I, I think that's a really interesting aspect. I'm also very curious whether Ellie and Alan will get together. Really. More than anything. You, you, uh, you wonder about that? Well, I'm a little worried that they're going to put them together. This is a, I don't, I don't know if you heard this, but so obviously Ellie and Alan were a bit of romantically in, in, intertwined in the first film in some form, but canonically they were broke up before Jurassic Park three, because obviously we saw Ellie with right. uh, yeah. Mark, Mark Degler. Yeah. yeah. And she has the little annoying child. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the only place in the universe that it's mentioned how Ellie and Alan break up is on the back of a collectible trading card for the first Jurassic Park film. <laughs> really? Yeah. There's a, I can't remember what the card is, but basically it says that they got back from Isla Nublar and Alan dove headfirst into his research, became obsessed with it, wouldn't think about anything other than the park and dinosaurs and all this, and Ellie wanted kids, and Alan wasn't ready to basically... He couldn't step back from his career and the events of the island, so she left him, basically. And that was featured in the on the back of a on the Topps back of some card like a top card, Jurassic yeah, Park. yeah, That's you know, insane. I know. <laughs> Seems like <laughs> quite just like some detail. like lonely unemployed romance novelist <laughs> got hired to like write the back of these cards yeah. and just like really let herself go. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought it's such an interesting little bizarre detail that I have a slight worry they're gonna undo and delete uh, my well, um, beloved I mean, Mark Degler. Yeah, I I mean I am. Fairly confident that that's going to happen, yeah. but I mean, I mean, we all kind of know that that's going to happen. Like, yeah. it's just there's just no way they're going to pass that up. Yeah, it's, it's a little bit too. Uh, I don't know. I just for, kind of tying into a wider thing here. Um, as I've got older, I, I never really used to be into film. Um, it's funny. I think if I'd watched Fallen Kingdom twelve years ago or something, I probably would have loved it. I don't think I'd have yeah. any issues. But over the last, say, five years, um, I'm going to a little shout out for a Reddit here. There's a subreddit, a very tiny one, called 365 Movies. And the idea is that you watch 365 films in a year for Ooh. people who have nothing but free time, basically. Yeah. <laughs> and every year I try this challenge. I never make it. I get like halfway at best. Yeah. But I like trying the challenge. And as soon as I started doing that a few years ago, um, I started watching lots of films that I ne wouldn't necessarily watch. Because at the end of the day, when you're watching that many, you kind of have to. You have to yeah. expand your boundaries. And I just started getting really into film and noticing all these aspects of films and just getting into sort of the artistry behind films rather than just enjoying them as sort of entertainment fluff pieces. And along with that came this love of films that want to take a little bit of risk or do things a little bit out of the box or push boundaries in new yeah, and yeah, yeah. unexpected ways. So when I watch Jurassic World now, I've got this constant fear that all these you know, we think, oh yeah, they'll put Ellie and Ellen to Ellie together, which I don't truly that much care about. But I think right. it would be interesting to look at it as a real relationship and say, you know, they didn't get together because they didn't make sense as a couple. Let's not, you know, let's not screw with that. Yeah. You know, let's let's do let's make it a real world couple. Let's do something a little unexpected. Same with Claire and Owen. They broke up. Let's just keep them separated. I mean, okay, they've already messed that up, but still, the first time, keep them separated. They don't work as a couple. We've established that. Let's just move on. They don't need to get together. Yeah, that was one of the weirdest things, the way they had them get together, which made no sense to begin with, and then break up in <laughs> time for up. the second movie to then get together again <laughs> in a way that also makes no sense. That is such a damning indictment of the character development that you can't have any, so you have to hit the reset button right. so they can go yeah. through the exact same plot line again, basically. Oh, awful. Truly yeah. dreadful. Yeah. Um, 
yeah, I, 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 I share some of those concerns too, and I feel that they are inevitable and somewhat par for the course for what the Jurassic World brand has been so far. I mean, the, 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 the fan service um, or what they think is fan service, like recreating scenes or like cheeky nods to scenes yeah. constantly in these movies. On one hand, it's extremely, extremely irritating to me and takes me out of the movie. <laughs> on the other hand, there's always been this like somewhat metatextual read on the Jurassic World franchise, being mm -hmm. that like you know the Indominus Rex was a metaphor for Jurassic World, the film. This like bringing back this thing because, but souped up because people aren't impressed yeah. by regulate. You know that whole metatextual thing. I can sort of appreciate it in that context, the way that they're sort of like cloning aspects of the previous franchise. Mm -hmm. and inserting them in these movies in this like really like cheap <laughs> uh, way uh, you know in a metatextual way it yeah. makes sense if you're if you're doing that but otherwise I absolutely hate it and it takes me out of the movies and I do think that that this Alan and Ellie thing is just another example of this like ham-fisted fan service thing yeah and the um, return of so many of those characters you know everyone's yeah. coming back for the next film even Muldoon who yeah obviously can't get the original actor but oh Muldoon, Muldoon is sorry not Muldoon sorry um yeah Dodson uh, Dodson, Dodson yeah. yeah I mean well Dodson makes a lot of sense yeah um, if they're gonna bring Bios in him properly yeah yeah yeah, yeah. um speaking uh, so I don't know if we really went into this exactly but what would you like to see from the future of the franchise and this could be anything it could be a game a theme park attraction a film a television series a novel um a pair of sneakers that uh <laughs> resemble a particular species of dinosaur you're really keen on it could be anything uh can i say all of it yeah <laughs> yeah sure yeah, preferably as much as possible um i am very curious because they've said i think it was a year ago now something that just world it makes sense, right? Just World Dominion will come out and it'll make a billion pounds yeah. and they're not going to want to end the franchise. I think the stories they're telling now is finished, but the, it has to go somewhere afterwards, probably with a new yeah. set of characters. So I'm very, very curious as to... I, I don't see them giving up on the franchise and I really hope they don't just for the sake there's of no the way. wider content. Yeah, I can tell you there is no way. Yeah, <laughs> I know there's already rumours of... Uh, we've, we heard about that Hammond TV show that was being pitched. Um... Is that at all appealing to you, really? Yeah, like, it is for me, yeah. But I, I'll, I'll voraciously I mean, of, of eat anything. All, <laughs> I know, but like of all the Jurassic content that you can have, we're oh. going to really focus on this one aspect of uh, a flea circus for a full... You know what I mean? It, 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 yeah. I, um, I just feel like it's it's a it's a, uh, a weird allocation of, of fan resources, in my opinion. I can see that, for sure. Um, uh, like a novel or something, I can see. Like, that yeah. would make sense, because it's, like, more character and internal. But, like, a film, which is, like, very visual, I just don't see why that would be so compelling as a film. Well, as a film, no, but it is meant to be a TV series, I believe. Right, that, yeah, um, like that sort of thing, yeah. And I think that does make it a little bit different. Um, like, you know, brought up a few times, one of my main problems with the current films is this lack of character development. The characters don't have any room to breathe. It's all action and dinosaurs everywhere. And... For me, the idea of like this quite slow, probably more mature TV show, if I had to guess, focused on Hammond and building up his character and getting to know him as a character, and especially, I think, you know, when we get past the flea circus and the trials of actually getting the original park set up and how all that went down, that does actually sound really interesting to me. I think I'm ready for a, a character-focused piece. Yeah. And I don't know what else I would want it to be focused on, I suppose. Um, I mean, Dominion opens that door up to tell yeah. stories anywhere, and I'd I'd love that as well. But 
I, I'm quite on board with Hammond, actually. I think it's something I've wanted for a long time. You know, Did you CD. play you you surely you played Trespasser, right? Oh, yeah. Deep love for yeah. Trespasser. Yeah. Yeah, same here. I mean, one of my another one of my favorite things is is the script and the his performance mm. oh, in, in really Trespasser yeah. is just incredible. It's like one of my favorite, favorite things uh to come from the franchise. You know, why haven't they redone that? I know no one wants to redo <laughs> it because it has such a history, but you know, it's sort of the thing where like Disney is remaking good movies poorly. Like, why don't we remake <laughs> a like a miss uh like a tragic, overly ambitious, but yeah, overly ambitious game, and like make it what it should have been. Yeah, like, I feel like that it w- would be really rad. It was very much before its time, wasn't it? Really. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, th- I think that'd be brilliant. And it, it is strange to me that it's the fans that keep being left to do this. You know. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's odd that they are sitting on this gold mine of a franchise where we eat up every single piece of content so hungrily yeah. because it's not just Jurassic Park fans. It is all paleo media fans on the planet because we don't yep. have anything, anything else. else yeah and it does feel like they could be taking advantage of it more on the one hand i'm glad they're not just kind of throwing the license out if you look at um i don't know if you're into warhammer at all or anything like that but uh games workshop with the warhammer license they just give it to anyone <laughs> anyone yeah. who yeah. looks at them bats their eyelids just yeah take the 40k franchise <laughs> do what the hell you want with it so steam is there's like a thousand terrible warhammer 40k games on steam and I'm kind of glad we don't end up in that direction, but I do think there's a lot of room to farm the license out to a few more. I mean, you look at Star Wars with the EA. That's what I mean. Stuff I, like just, that. I'm surprised we're not getting that a little bit more. I know, and that's that's the another big thing is that I don't think Univ- I mean Universal probably has to be aware of this to some extent, but you know the generation before ours, I feel like Star Wars was like the emotional cinematic. Mm-hmm. touchstone that everyone has this connection to that you know like for the, the past two generations prior to ours and even ours to an extent yeah for our generation and onwards i have found that jurassic park t- has has that place in a lot of yeah. people's lives no, absolutely. and I, I and i think that universal has a tremendous tremendous <laughs> gold mine on their hands that they haven't even begun to fully yeah. um exploit in my opinion no, I, completely um, agree. I, I just hope that they do it responsibly and with integrity um, and I think that things are moving in that direction. I, I, I am very, I tend to be overly optimistic a lot of the time, but mm-hmm. I do get that sense. Yeah. All right, sweet. Well, Connor, thank you so, so, so much for taking an hour and a half out of your day to do this thing. I sweet really, bye. really appreciate <laughs> it. And again, I really, really appreciate everything that you have done in your channel. And I'm very excited to see what the future holds for dinosaur games, Jurassic games and best in slots YouTube channel. And likewise, and definitely I'll uh, be checking out your podcast, I'm sure, a little bit. You've had some <laughs> really interesting guests as well. So, yeah, I'm very excited to check out some of that. It'll be my what? first podcast, I promise. If you do, I hope you like it. If you're unfamiliar with Connor's YouTube channel, Best in Slot, you really ought to check it out. As I mentioned earlier, despite not having a souped-up gaming PC, I am literally counting down the minutes until Prehistoric Kingdom's release. While I may not experience it firsthand, I fully intend on enjoying the glory that is Prehistoric Kingdom vicariously via Best in Slot's wonderful YouTube channel. I'm really looking forward to it. I sincerely hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Neo Jurassic Podcast. I certainly had a wonderful time chatting with Connor, particularly after all of these years of being an enthusiastic subscriber of his. 
Before we conclude, I would like to apologize for the recent gap in episodes. Unfortunately, these past few weeks have been rather rough on both the personal level as well as far as producing the podcast is concerned. However, in just a matter of days, I will be heading down to Florida to experience the Velocicoaster's grand opening in Orlando. And I'm optimistic I'll have some very fun content concerning the long and winding history and future of Jurassic in the world's theme parks. Which just so happens to be one of my all-time favorite subjects if you weren't already aware. But until then, 